0: Good morning everybody. Um, just so you know that the slideshow only lasted uh, as long as the song lasted. So there are many, many pictures, many, many photos of dads. So they're going to be on the website, but we, we only had a song to play. Because uh, you know you do want to get out of here at a reasonable hour, right? You, you don't want to be here until uh, 2. So um, there's a lot of photos, over 277 photos taken. So plenty to do there. Uh, my name is Gio Garces. Uh, I serve as the evangelist here in the Shoreline Ministry, and if you're visiting with us, it's great to have you here. We're glad you're here. Going around is a little uh, uh, little information card to get to know you. It, it tells us a little bit about you, who you are, how we can serve your needs, how we can get to know you, and also gives you some, allows you to give some feedback to us to let us know how we're doing in our service. If you're a disciple and you get that comment card and you have some, an idea or, hey, I, I'd like to see this in service or this is to be better, let us know. We want you to communicate with us so you can know. We're in, the, we're in, the, we're in, the, we're in a series right now called Transforming Grace and you've been with us. We've been studying out what grace means, what grace is, how do we get grace. Last week we talked about how do we get it. We know we have faith in Jesus and uh, we're, we're washed again for our sins in, in baptism. And today we're going to look at a guy in the Bible who uh, that actually happened to him. He got to know the teachings of Jesus. We don't know exactly where he became a Christian, but we know he was a prominent Christian in, his, in the community of disciples. And his name was Philip. And Philip was a man who uh, was not an apostle, but just one of the guys in church who was known to be full of the Holy Spirit. Okay? And Paul writes something about what this grace and how it should impact our lives. You know, when you've been given something, I use the analogy, if I gave you five bucks, you'd probably be like, yeah. But if I gave you a million dollars, you know, it would have an effect on your life, it would actually change some of the things you do. And how you look at it, you'd you'd be set. So Paul writes to the church, and for us, he writes this, this passage. For I am the least of the apostles, and do not even deserve to be called an apostle. I love how grace transforms a guy like Paul, who knew so much of the Bible, so much of the Old Testament, so radical in his convictions, that he considers himself the least, yet the most talented, considers himself the least. Of the apostles, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And His grace to me was not without effect. And what transforming grace does, it has a radical effect on the way you view your world, your life. Your school, your, your work environment, your your family, it is a game changer. It changes everything about who you are. That's transforming. Maybe you've gone to church, and you've been going to church, and you've been feeling like, hey, I'm not being transformed. I'm not transforming. Well, I'm here to encourage you that your grace should have an effect. It should affect something in your life. It, is, it should affect someone in your life. That's what grace does. Grace is awesome. Um, In Titus chapter 2, Paul writes again, uh, it says, For this grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live a self-controlled and upright and godly lives in this present age. You know, the grace that really transforms us, it teaches us something. To say no. To say no, the things that are harmful to what we believe. That's what it teaches. It doesn't have the attitude of, oh, God's going to forgive me no matter what. I'm going to live my own life. No, 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 no. It actually has the opposite effect. Now, God knows you are a sinner. God knows you will sin today after this sermon you're sinning. You're probably sinning right now, sitting in your seat. (laughs) God understands that. And because you understand that God is this amazing, loving God, He is so full of compassion, so full of mercy, that I don't want to live a life and abuse that relationship. You ever been in a relationship where you feel you were taken advantage of? Yeah. It's a pretty stinking feeling. Huh? You're like, oh, it's terrible. Or you see someone who's being taken advantage in a relationship, and you you need to break up, girl, you know? We have seen it we're like, that is not right. And so what God wants from us is a a relationship that's not abusive. He he vows and promises, I will not abuse you. I will not hurt you. I will love you unconditionally. And what, what He wants in return is that we don't abuse this relationship. We don't take it for granted. That's why marriages fail because... One partner feels there are there have been taken for granted. There's a frustration. There's not an equal amount of of a healthiness in the relationship. So grace teaches us to say no to worldly passions and to live a self controlled life. So because of these scriptures, we're going to look at now at a man called Philip in the Bible, and he first shows up when uh, many many disciples were converted in the first century, thousands at a time, and one in one in one day. The Bible records there were 3,000 people baptized into Christ after one sermon. Man, that's awesome. That's an awesome sermon. Right? That's a great sermon. So here is when he first shows up. In those days when the number of disciples were increasing, I don't know if it was because of daddy-daughter dances or not, but we had a lot of people come out, right? The Hellenistic Jews, those are those are Jews who are, are Jews, but because of the Greek culture... Uh, learned the the Greek language, learned how to read and write in Greek, their culture was Greek, so they were called Hellenistic, which means a Greek version of a Jew. Among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the Word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters... Choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and we'll give, them, we will, we'll give our attention to prayer and ministry of the Word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith. He's also the, a very powerful guy in the Bible. Uh, and of the Holy Spirit. They also, Philip, Perchorus, uh, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented them to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. You know, the reputation that, that, that qualified them to do this task, but well, these men were disciples and they were known to be full of the Holy Spirit. They were known to, to be attentive, to understand and, and respond with a, with a humble heart to where God was calling them and leading them. And so these men were chosen. And it pleased everybody. There wasn't like, I'm not sure about nah, that guy, Procurus. He sound, yeah. These guys all were full of the Spirit, faithful men of, uh, of God. And to have them serve at this, you know, we can look at a menial task. You know, we call this the setup crew and the breakdown crew of an event. These are called the ushers, right? They come in and serve and hand out little cards to you. These are people that were known to be full of Spirit because they were servants. Because that was their hearts. So that is the first time we get to know who this Philip guy is. So we know he waits tables. And then something happens later on in the book of Acts. As Luke writes the historical account, he he mentions uh, Philip once again. He mentions him in in Acts chapter 8. He gets mentioned. And, And there was a great persecution that happened in Jerusalem. Because what Jesus wanted them to do was to go out and share their faith. But what happened was, they all were hanging out in Jerusalem. So because of that persecution Incurred, and then they had to spread out because of, not because they were, I want to do the mission of Jesus, No, because they were being persecuted, so they got pushed out. So when they got pushed out, here's what happened. Philip again is in the account on record in the church by the Holy Spirit. It says, those who have been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Let's just stop there for a second. Think about transforming grace. Think about getting kicked out of your home, driven out of your neighborhood. Would you be out here sharing your faith? Or would you be on the phone with your lawyers trying to get your house back? I mean, just look at the attitude of a transformational disciple of Jesus. He's kicked out of his village or his city or his town or his district. Wherever he's staying, get out. You're no longer welcome here. Can you imagine the bitterness that we would be tempted with? The anger that we would be tempted with? The injustice that was upon us? Their attitude in the first century is much different from our attitude. How do we know this? Because when you're asked to give up something, and it's very difficult for you, you know you usually respond with bitterness. It's not hard for you to do. To give something up. Here are these disciples. They preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and then proclaim the Messiah there. Samaria was a very hostile city to Jewish people. Samaria was not the local hangout for Jewish guys. Samaria was a group of people that lived just like you and I, that were half Jewish and half, Samaria, I mean, half Assyrian. And in the Old Testament, Assyria defeated the Jews, and they, they, uh, they took over and they tried to breed out the Jewish nation by having relations with the women and hopefully breed them out. They were unsuccessful, but what happened was a whole generation of generation of half-Jewish and Assyrian people, and they were called the Samaritans, and they were hated. And where does Philip go? He could have gone to any community he wanted to, but he goes to Samaria, and he goes there to proclaim the Messiah. And they had their own version of God, their own temple, their own mountain. They had, it was like a parallel universe. There was Jerusalem, and they had their own mountain. They had their own place that they believed was from God. And so when the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they paid all close attention to what he said. With shrieks, evil spirits came out of many. And many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So it was a great joy in that city. You know, what Philip was given when the apostles laid his hands on them, he was given a very special ability. It was the gift of miracles. He could perform them and the reason why he was given that gift so when he went into a town like Samaria that never heard of the Messiah is his account his story his his experience would be legitimized by a miracle but there was a local guy there who was a sorcerer that was in competition with Philip and in miracles so this is what happens uh, is, is what recorded and what's interesting here is that his transformation of being scattered He goes and proclaims the Messiah, and then what happens is that God works powerfully. God works. Whenever you decide to take the grace that you've been given and try to apply it to your life, things like this happen. Whenever you study the Bible with someone, whenever you call someone to to believe in Jesus and to walk away from sin, I tell you, there are shrieks that come out. Shrieks of denial. Shrieks of you're judging me. Shrieks of you can't tell me what to do. Shrieks of you're trying to control my life. They come out. Because there's so much in there that doesn't, that doesn't want to be found. I remember when I said to the Bible, they asked me, what sins have you committed? I said, um, a couple. I was very vague. There was one sin I was unwilling to, to tell anybody. Very reluctant. Very embarrassed. Very shamed. they came asking me questions like, Have you ever done this? Yes. Can you talk about that? No. <laughs> I'm telling almost complete strangers my life that I haven't told anyone. Evil streaks come out. Many. Paralyzed. Lame. For me it was the conscious decision of having my girlfriend take her to the clinic and have her have an abortion because we didn't want a child. That was so shameful for me. It's shameful even to even tell you this. And I, I hardly ever talk about it because I, I, I'm still embarrassed about it. I'm ashamed about it. And to tell someone I didn't know, that was very uncomfortable for me. And so I get defensive. That's why evil things come out of me. And I, I get all mad at people. Because I, what, I, what I really wanted to come out was the, the junk. And so it comes out. See, because I wanted to have transforming grace. I wanted it to mean something. Now I can talk about it and try to help others with it. Cope with it. Help with it. Hey, decide not to do it. I can help people. So there's Philip. He is a man. He's a servant. He's a waiter. Here he is, having an incredible impact. And what did he preach? But when they believed Philip, this is the people of Samaria, as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God, and the name of Jesus Christ, there it is again. The grace. They were baptized. Both men and women. Transforming grace. People actually respond to it. But let me give you a little background to this. To this, this these people. Let me give you a little history here. In, in, in Luke 9, verse 51, Jesus' ministry comes in contact with the same city that Philip came in contact with. Okay, so years before, Jesus walks through the same area. Okay, and here's is what happened then. As the time approached for him to be taken to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem, and all the way down to Jerusalem, guess where he had to pass? He had to pass through Samaria. And he sent messengers on ahead who went into Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people there did not welcome him because he was heading toward Jerusalem, because they had their own thing going on. Why are you going down there? Hey, God is here type thing. When the disciples, James and John, saw this, they asked, Lord, hey Lord, I don't know how to say this, but should we call down some fire on these people? <laughs> you know, they're they're not accepting it. Let's, let's just call down the fire right now. Imagine, just these are these are apostles, these are disciples, these are people that are around Jesus all the time. And they're like, So what do you think? caught on fire, just smoke them, Elijah did the soldiers. It's biblical. It's been done before, Jesus. Can you, can you imagine that attitude? Good Lord. They were called the sons of thunder. Thunder and lightning, baby. Right? But Jesus turned and rebuked them. Then he had, and his disciples went to another village. You know, thank God for the Lord there. The Lord just turned, a, saved a whole village of people. You I mean, imagine if they, if they didn't tell Jesus and they just did a miracle and just brought down fire. Can you imagine what would happen Man, that's how much the hatred for these people even was felt among Jesus' closest friends. There was an animosity. I mean, it's like Nicaragua and Honduras. When you get them on a soccer field, it's like like Honduras and Mexico and soccer. It's like, ah! It's like there's there's a deep, deep resentment there. And here is the history. And Philip, who's been transformed by grace goes into that village, back in there. And I'm sure he must have heard the story of what these guys tried to do. And he goes in there and he proclaims Jesus. Amazing. He goes into a town that's hostile to what he's going to do. After he's been thrown out of his own, his own city, that's where he goes. Then he shows up again. This guy's on a mission. I mean, the Holy Spirit hones in on Philip. I mean it was Stephen who got the, the accolades. Stephen, a man full of the Holy Spirit, and then another guy. And he was the one that's predominantly shown in the first parts of the book of Acts. Look what he does here. Now angel of the Lord said to Philip, I don't know how he communicated that. I don't think it was a text message. I, it was something that was going on there. I can't explain that. Go south of the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Okay? First of all, just so you know the geography there, there's not a lot of water there. That's a hard road. That's a very hot road. I know we live in Ventura County and we can't stand anything over 85. I understand that. We're talking heat. We're talking Middle East heat. We're talking 120. It's hot. Okay? This is not Oxnard. Where it doesn't reach 72, hardly ever this is not it this is a hard desert road and he said go down that road so when, I, when you read the bible I want you to understand hey we would just going down that road and there's like you know green bushes and apples you can eat on the way there's nothing there's <laughs> nothing there and so he goes down this road I mean that's the road of doubt there's nothing the road of insecurity what am I doing here I'm, I'm going but I don't know what I'm supposed to do here just go down that road just go down that road Going to be in front of you. You don't know what kind of challenges you're going to get. Go down that road. Go down the road. You know, for me, I would have be been like, Well, I go going down that road. Give me a ride, I'll go down that road. <laughs> there was no RTV, there was no car. You walk. If you're lucky, you had a donkey. So he started out, and on his way, met an Ethiopian eunuch. Just ran into a guy. But he was an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace or Candace, which means the queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. On the way, going down this desert road, nothing there. Why am I doing this? Where am I going? What's going on? Can you imagine the questions you would ask yourself? Why am I headed down this road? Why am I going here? And then he meets somebody. You ever meet somebody randomly? Okay, he wasn't like the Ethiopian you know, this guy was like trying to initiate with Philip. And so what happens is he's reading his Bible. The He's reading his Bible out loud because in the old days, they read, they read things out loud. And Philip hears him reading the scriptures of the Old Testament out loud. And guess what happens? He walks over there and says, hey, uh, this is an important official. This is a very distinguished fellow in a chariot. Okay. And there's Philip going, I have no ride. I, got no, I, got, I don't got a car. I got a chariot. I was just told about this road. I'm getting mad walking down the road. I saw you. Our Bible being read. And then he asked him a question Do you understand what you're reading? Okay, Philip's waiting tables, and there's a highly educated Ethiopian official. Do you know what you're reading? How insulting. Right, I would have thought, I went to college, brother. Cal Poly. <laughs> <laughs> I know how to read. Right? Here's Philip asking me, I'm the official. I read documents all the time. I'm in charge of the treasury. I do accounting. And you're asking me, do I understand what I'm reading? Can you imagine the audacity that someone asks you the question that's obviously you're the expert? And that's what Philip did. Humbly asked him, do you know what you're reading? And guess what the eunuch said? How can I unless someone explains it to me? Whoa. This is why I came down the road. This is why I came down the desert road. To meet a guy that was totally open, that it was totally unaware of. Can you imagine that? How many people have you passed up that are completely open but we're just, we're just mad that we're on the desert road. Why am I in line here? Why am I why well, am in the longest line at Vaughn's? Why am I in this line? I can't understand it. Magazine. Magazine. When I got a good 15 minutes with the guy behind me, or in front of me, right? No, we go to our home, we go to Hay Day. Hay Day. A farm. We ignore people when we're on our own desert road. Isn't that funny? We're not looking. We're not paying attention. But here is this guy... He goes, hey, how can I understand it unless someone explains it to me? And Philip goes, I'll explain it to you. And guess what the eunuch does? He says, come up onto my chariot and teach me. You know, if you're a really open person to God, and I'm talking to those who are visiting this morning, you'll invite people up to your chariot if you're really open. Because that, that's someone who wants to learn. If you're a disciple today, and you're having trouble, Invite someone onto your chariot to help you. That's what happens. That's what humility is. That's what. That's what this guy was open, and he was about to experience transforming grace, and didn't even know it. And Philip, thank goodness, he didn't have a he didn't have a bad attitude. This is what happens. So he shares the good news about Jesus, and on his and on his way, he's reading the he's reading the Bible, as you know. He runs up to the chariot. Someone's explaining to me. Someone's got to explain this to me. Tell me who's this prophet talking about? He's telling the story about Jesus and at the very end they travel along the road they came to some water and the eunuch said look here is water here's what's interesting the eunuch said that not Philip Philip didn't go whoa, whoa wait wait I see water because <laughs> earlier he told him about the good news about Jesus he told them the good news about Jesus and then the very thing the eunuch says he identifies with the good news is hey look we're in a desert, but look, there's some water. Hey, why can't I what's, what can stand in my way of being baptized? Or is not just say baptized? Right? <laughs> what's gonna stand in my way? The good news includes, the good news includes being baptized. Includes it. Not after you get the grace, oh, it might be a good thing, make so, try it as commanded by the way. No. <laughs> it is included. In the good news, because the eunuch says, Hey, I'm getting this. I understand this. Hey, there's water. I'm going to get back. What can stand in my way? What can stand in your way? Your pride? Your religious pride. That's a big one. When you're religious, and you believe something, and you look in the Bible, and it's not really there, and you're confronted with this, there's a pride that flares up. There's a pride. Even with me, when I got mad, my defense was, I went to church when I was a kid. I mean, it was just, what? That was ridiculous. I never, I don't even like church anymore. (laughs) But I was saying that because I was confronted with something that I had, it was, uh, what do I, what do I say? Defense goes up. Hey, this is what the, the count says. The eunuch says, what can stand in my way? And I want to encourage you. Don't let nothing stand in your way. If you, want, if you want it, go get it. If you got a dream to change the world spiritually, go get it. Don't let nothing stop you. you want You got to protect that dream. So here's Philip again, going to an Ethiopian official and really having a great time helping him. Now, this guy was a eunuch. That means he had no uh, genitals of the male orig- origin. Okay? Because when you're that, going into an into a, into official with the queen, they had a policy to, to, to eliminate any kind of you know, scandal in the, in the royal family. Anyone near the queen, if you're a male, if you wanted to serve, you had to be castrated. Okay? So looking in the history of, of, of the Old Testament, this is why it was so radical. No one who has been emasculated by crushing or cutting may enter the assembly of the lord. That was the Old Testament teaching. You you're if you did that, you are not going to get in. But here is Philip. Here is Jesus. Here is God. Here is the Holy Spirit saying, All nations will be a part of me. And that was so it was so powerful for Philip. That's why it's so powerful for us as disciples of Jesus to go and preach the good news of the kingdom of God. No one is exempt, no one is excluded, no one is left out. It's for everyone. And that was the interesting change uh, of position. You know, what's also interesting is that whenever a disciple had interaction with a, an official, in 2 Kings, Naaman, the military commander, had leprosy, and he goes to see Elisha. And Elisha tells him to go dip himself seven times into the Jordan. He's like, what? That's a dirty river, bro. That river's dirty. Why can't I go to Damascus? He goes, dip yourself seven times. It's not the water. It's your obedience to what I'm telling you. Go. And he does it, and his leprosy is gone. There's another interaction with Peter when he, when he, he meets a Roman centurion who's, who's been helping the poor. He helps uh, 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 Cornelius in Acts chapter 10 to become a disciple, and he's baptized. Naaman was baptized too, seven times. Don't worry if you're on number two. Don't worry. just need one to make it right. <laughs> So Philip, going back to Philip, you know, he's, he's amazing. He's, he's serving tables. He's going to Samaria. He does his miraculous signs. Uh, he has to confront Simon the sorcerer. It's a great story. It's another sermon. It's a great interaction there uh, about the miraculous gifts. And then he goes, to, goes down this desert road. He goes down there and he meets his eunuch. And here, he, here it is. The eunuch gets in. And then uh, leaving, uh, then, the, then Paul and, and Luke and a band of brothers are, are going off on their missionary journey. And guess whose house they stop at? Guess who settled down a little bit? Leaving the next day, we reached Caesarea and stayed at the house of Philip, the evangelist, one of the seven who waited tables. He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. So they, they, they come out of his pad and they stay there for a couple of days. They say, Philip! I mean, these are, the, these are the who's of who's of the church. This is Paul and his crew of Luke. This is, the, this is the leaders, right? One of the leaders of the church. And they stop in at his house just to say, hey, man, it's time to say hi. Let's catch up. And there he has four daughters who preached the word. They're unmarried. I don't know what that says about the brothers. But they were awesome. <laughs> Where are the brothers right there? Unmarried? If I? If you're single, and there's a sister who preaches, man, I'd have to be like a magnet, like, I want to marry you, right? <laughs> oh, uh, that's a no-brainer in the Christian world, right? Where are the brothers? I don't know. It's just, I thought it was kind of funny when I read it. The Bible was a lot of humor when you look at it. Oh, that's funny. That's hilarious. Here he was. He settled down. He wasn't just a guy who went nuts and didn't care about his family and all was all, the good news of the kingdom, the good news of the kingdom, the and just abandoned his family. We don't get that impression about Philip raising four daughters who became Christians. We get a picture of a man who's balanced, who understands I'll proclaim the kingdom of God, but yet I will fulfill my responsibilities as a husband and a father. A balanced man of God, full of the Holy Spirit. And wisdom, as it said, is wisdom to know hey, I can I can advance and spread and proclaim Jesus, but wisdom, I also need to raise a family. Amen. What he didn't do was choose one or the other. And there are too many of us who choose family only over the kingdom. And I'm here to tell you that it's both. Yep. It's not one or the other, it's both. But you need to be full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. Both. Because that's what God wants. Because that's what Philip. And I think the Holy Spirit left a, a, an example of a man who did both. He was wise enough to know, I got a butterfly kisses. All and, hey man, Jesus raised from the dead. It's awesome. I think that was a combination. Not like, it's me and my daughters and my family. No. Because his daughters wanted to prophesy, they wanted to preach. They're going, I want to be like that. Where are the brothers? I want to be like Dad! <laughs> they wanted to be like Dad! That was their heart! That's amazing! So I called her all the fathers. Are you dads? Amen. Or you pick one or the other? Because something's going to give. You can't, you, you can't just choose this and... You can't choose this and ignore it. Can't do it. Can't do it. Where are you at, Dads? Where are you at? When you were thinking to yourself, how can I make a difference? Sometimes I ask myself that question. and I'm the minister. How can I make a difference? What can I do? I want to show you video. Get the sound sound right? Get the lights, please. We ready, Tony? không lẽ là kỳ quái lúc này không lẽ là lúc này là lúc difference in this life if you uh, take a shoebox and you filled it up that's making a difference it's a big difference you can make a difference for I am the least of the apostles and do not even consider to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God but by the grace of God I am what I am and his grace to me was not without effect thank you for your time